a few weeks ago, um, I spoke on uh, renewing our mind. Um, and really what I felt um, to share today was, is actually just another real key in my life. Um, which, and as Andy says, is just actually how do you do intimacy and connection and relationship with the Godhead. And so that's what I feel to share with you guys. Some of you may have heard me share this before. We can always do with a reminder. And, um, and actually the thing is that when we give our lives to Jesus, actually it's about relationship. And when we learn to be a son or a daughter with the Father, it's about relationship. And when we have Holy Spirit live inside of us, it's about relationship. And yet, so often, actually, these are not relationships that we spend time cultivating. And um, so we're just going to hear a bit more about that today. So I'm just going to pray before we get stuck in. Yeah, so Father, I want to thank you um, for just the incredible way that you love us. Jesus, thank you that you made it possible for us to come straight in to the throne room and have direct access to the Father in the way that you do. It's amazing. And um, I really pray that today, Holy Spirit, will you help us just to um, grasp actually how important um, our connection and our relationship um, with the Trinity is that actually you would do something deep inside of us that would mean that when we go home and we go into the rest of our week, actually our relationship with you looks different. We just give you our yes, actually, and, our, and permission to just do what you want to do inside of us today. Thank you. Amen. And um, so, as I said uh, last time I spoke, I was really um, sharing about the need uh, for us to get rid of lies in our head. That actually, um, so as for me, as a young Christian, I believed a lot of lies. Um, and one of those was that I actually believed that I genuinely needed to have a man uh, in my life to complete me. That I actually wouldn't be able to fulfill what God had for me if I wasn't married. And that actually really you just needed to have someone or my life was not actually going to come to much. And uh, so actually what that meant was that I, um, I shared this I think uh, the last time a little bit, that I got caught up in a few um, unhelpful relationships uh, with different men. Kind of became a bit cyclical and uh, really just, you know, kind of in my 20s they were a bit of a mess. Um, as I was just walking through life, not really fully understanding why this kept happening, until um, really just got to the point where I was like so consumed by these guys and what was going on that actually I realized there's something seriously wrong here and I've clearly missed something. And, and actually what had happened is that I had to put these men into the God spot of my life, which really is idolatry. I'd actually given them the prime position so that I became all consumed by what they thought, what they said, eh, rather than what he thought and what he said. And um, so thankfully, Holy Spirit helped me. I did lots of cutting out of my life and wiping people and never heard from them again. Um, and But actually, I think really what happened was I came to the end of myself, really was dissatisfied with where my life was and really a realization that there actually had to be more than this. And what it did was it set me on a path of really just a journey into intimacy uh, with Jesus. And I remember reading uh, the story of uh, a woman, she'd had a dream, and in the dream, um, 
she'd, she'd seen in the dream this um, beautiful bride who was like, you know, in this amazing dress and was like milling around at a wedding reception, chatting to all the guests and just, you know, being um, complimented and everyone like lavishing their affection on her. And in the dream, um, whenever she looked for the groom, um, he was standing over um, in a corner and uh, looking down and uh, playing with the ring on his uh, hand and weeping. And then actually in the dream, she realized that the groom was Jesus and that this is exactly what she had done, was actually not give Jesus um, the place that he wanted to have, actually, and completely, um, you know, as she was looking for love in the wrong places, actually, Jesus completely got displaced and ignored. And I was just like, oh, that's me. That's exactly what I've done. And um, one of the things that that she said is that... um, actually when that Jesus betrothes himself to us and actually we take on his name as believers but so often actually we go about then looking for affection and affirmation and love from everywhere else but from him and really that was my story and uh, I remember uh, one of the things that she wrote was this how Jesus longs for his own to acknowledge him to introduce him to our friends to withdraw to be alone with him to cling to him for our identity to gaze longingly into his eyes to love him with all our heart and soul what about you? Do you have this kind of love relationship with Jesus? Do you experience inexplicable joy of intimacy with the one who loves you with a passion far deeper and far greater than anything that you could find here on earth? And I just, I remember reading that and just being like, actually, no, I do not know what that feels like, looks like. I've not experienced it. Um, I don't view Jesus as the lover of my soul. Really, I think probably because I didn't think, it didn't ring true because I didn't think of myself very highly. Um, And I just actually wasn't convinced at all that he was all that I needed. And um, and I I came to this moment, I think it was definitely like a God moment, where I realized that actually these men who had been pursuing me actually had won my heart. And that the very thing that I needed was for Jesus to do the same. And so I... um, one day uh, prayed and asked Jesus to woo me. That's an old-fashioned word, but a great one. I love it, woo. And actually to, to just to pursue me, to win my heart, to win my affections in the way that these men in my life had, actually, that I wanted Jesus to do the same. And, and he did. Um, and I, I'll, I'll get to kind of some of what that looked like. But um, last week, um, one of the things... Uh, so Andy did an incredible job if you have not listened to his preach on Luke 15 even if you've heard uh, the story of the prodigal father or prodigal son before I really would encourage you to tune in online and catch up Um, but one of the things that Andy said um, is that actually believing a lie about God is what keeps us from him and actually what happened to me is that, that Jesus really took me on this like inner heart journey like almost like surgery on the inside of just getting like all the things that were blockages, lies, um, things that I believed that were like untrue and also words spoken over me, lies that I believed about him um, and things I'd said over myself and things that were actually buried to deeply that were painful that actually just needed to all be unearthed and pulled out and removed and I remember even having this like um, time of worship 
a long time ago, and it was almost like what had been happening was I had these, it was like I had fish hooks in my heart where these, the pain had been, and, and actually there came a moment one time where the, all of the hooks were removed of the pain and the lies and the heart and the things, and my heart were gone, and it basically was got all mopped up and restored by Jesus, and um, I think that actually just even dealing with unforgiveness and all sorts of things so I, I would highly recommend if you have never been for a sozo that is a great way for you to just check in and make sure that you are doing brilliantly well with the trinity and um so I really was just completely set free and able to um connect actually with 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 him in a new way and Jesus in his um towards the end of his ministry in John a uh, 15 he says this one great phrase, uh, which is, abide in me and I in you. And actually, when you read the whole of the chapter, Jesus actually uses the word abide nine times, which makes me think that actually it's pretty important because he's repeating it a lot. Repetition usually means it's significant. And, um, and actually, it also suggests that it's possible not to abide um, so very important. And actually, if you look at a dictionary definition of the word abide, it can be to dwell, to live, to linger, to reside, or to rest. And, and so he said this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From a, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. So apart or separate from me, you can do nothing. Why? Because separation equals withering. And actually, without, you know, if you think of a, a branch and a tree, actually without the sap and the life flowing into that branch, then there's, the leaves aren't going to do their thing. But actually the branch, if it comes off and is separated, it, com it just dies. It can't live on its own. Which is why abiding is so, so important, actually, because to not abide and to not dwell actually is is not life, it's actually death to ourselves. Um, and so for me, my relationship with Jesus and with Father and with Holy Spirit is my number one priority. I need um, him to survive, to function, to live, to breathe, <laughs> um, everything. And in them, um, I really love um, some of the characters of the Old Testament. And uh, one, of the, one of the people I really enjoy um, is Abraham. And in James 2.23, Abraham was described as a friend of God, um, which was actually James quoting um, Isaiah 41.8. But I just I want to pull out just five things that we can learn from Abraham just really briefly, um, just to actually help us think about what is our life and our relationship and our connection with, with God look like. So number one, Abraham did what God asked him to do. Um, you know, remember he was called uh, at the age of 75, he was called to leave his people and his country and to go into the land that God was promising him. Could you imagine? I mean, I don't know if anyone here is 75. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But age 75, God says, I want you to leave all of your family and friends and everything you've ever known, your country. Off you go. I'm leading you somewhere. And you're like, where am I going? To the land I'm leading you to. It's like, what that is, wow. Actually doing what God asked him to, that was huge. And number two, Abraham was able to influence God and change his mind because of his relationship with him. 
You remember Sodom, it was, you know, if there are 50, if there's 50 righteous, or there are 45, or there are 30, what if there's 10? You know, if what, there's 20, what if there's 10? And on and on, he kept going down, and then God was like, yeah, I'll save the city if there's that many, I'll save it if there's that many. And in the end, you know, it's Lot and his family get out, and we know that the city does get destroyed. But actually, the relationship that he had with God, like the creator of the universe who decided, yep, they're going to all be destroyed, actually, he was able to be like, hang on a minute. What about this? What about that? What about this? And actually change, like actually influence and impact God so that he changed his mind, which is amazing. Uh, number three, Abraham believed God. And we, we read that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, you think about all of the words that he spoke to him about the descendants he was going to have and, you know, the fact that at that point he had no children. Actually, he believed God. He'd, and he didn't, you know, be like, oh, yeah, that's very good. That will never happen. I'm not going to, you know, but he actually believed what God spoke to him. Um, and number four, Abraham trusted God and was obedient. Now, we see that with the almost sacrificing Isaac story. Like, you know, obedience in that he was prepared to do it. And also um, trust that God was going to do something, which would mean that he didn't actually maybe have to. But, you know, he actually had the knife out. And then the other, number five, Abraham listened. So thankfully, because otherwise Isaac would have had the chop. Um, but actually, it's, these are real keys for us. Like, Abraham did what God asked him to do. Abraham was able to influence God and change his mind because of the relationship he had. Abraham believed God. Abraham trusted God and was obedient. And Abraham listened. And actually, I've had to learn that in order um, for my relationship um, with God to deepen, I've actually had to become very, I guess, childlike would be the way I would describe it. Um, in that, I've, I just have had to learn to believe and to accept and to trust. And those are things that kids do really well. The accepting, sometimes they get into the, but why, but why mode. But actually, kids, like I have loads of nieces and nephews and godchildren and actually all of them um, they are so trusting and they are so um, they just believe and they accept and actually that is what we need to do but with the Father and with Jesus and with Holy Spirit actually we need to believe we need to accept and we need to trust and so that's what I've done I've chosen to believe the truth of God's word I have chosen to accept what God tells me and to trust him and I've practiced listening and I've done what I've been asked to do and um, you know, I used to debate with God a lot and tell him all the reasons why I couldn't do the things he was asking me to, but he always wins, so now I just do it because it's less easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Um, and John 15, 14 says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. And again, Andy spoke um, at the beginning of January, I think it was the 6th of January, um, really on this. And so I would encourage you to listen to his preach because there's so many nuggets of truth in it. But he I just want to quote Andy Merrick. He said this, friendship with God develops through obedience and intimacy grows. And actually, a question I have for all of you is, is there anything that God has been asking you to do recently that you haven't done? And you might want to consider it afresh in light of that verse. You're my friends if you do what I command. And so as part of my journey, um, in uh, Matthew 7, it says that um, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. And that was a verse that in my journey really impacted me because I was just like, actually, I don't want to be, you know, well, I don't want to be someone who's prophesying without hearing from God for myself first, first of all. Uh, But also that I actually decided, you know, I want to be someone who 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 actually knows Jesus and that not just that I'm someone who sings about him or uses his name or you know asks him like you know comes with my big list of all the things I want him to answer but that actually that I would be so up close and personal that a bit you know like John who you know lay on Jesus chest um or that actually that I would know like what he looks like and what he sounds like and um that I could be described as a friend of God. That I, and, you know, even if you think, you know, if, if you were to, you know, you're, it's the end of your life and you're going off to heaven and Jesus is, is there actually, and there's a whole crowd of people and there's Jesus in amongst them. Actually, like the question to myself at that point was like, could I actually pick Jesus out of a crowd? And, and at that point I was like, actually I couldn't. So I don't, I don't know what he looks like. I don't really know what he sounds like. I don't, I don't know him well enough to know what that would look like. And, And so I just determined in my life, I am not going to be someone who does the doing without actually knowing him. And um, James 4.8 tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And in the mirror word, it's my favorite, one of my favorite uh, verses in the mirror word. It says, snuggle up to the warm embrace of God, experience his closeness to you. In Christ, he cancelled every definition of distance. And so what I've done, so again, <laughs> James 4, 8, uh, this in the mirror word, snuggle up to the warm embrace of God, experience his closeness to you. In Christ, he cancelled every definition of distance. And so actually what I've done is I have reordered my priorities uh, and I've really invested my time in um, experiencing God's closeness. Because if you were my friend and you never spent any time with me, or if we did spend time, you were the only one who spoke and I didn't ever get to say anything, then our friendship would not really be a friendship at all. It wouldn't be really any sort of relationship because I wouldn't see you. And if I did see you, I wouldn't get to talk. You would talk at me. And actually that is so often the way that we approach our relationship with God is that we come with our big list and we never actually um, listen to what he wants to say to us Um, and so I realized that intimacy is only um, intimacy is developed actually when we spend time with someone and so I intentionally have done that with Jesus, with Father, and with Holy Spirit. And I speak um, on intimacy um, often at our um, supernatural school. And I just want to read you one of the things that, um, this is just feedback from one of the students um, in our school who um, wrote this to me after hearing me share on intimacy. And I just really think it's helpful because it can actually just articulate really well what it is I'm trying to explain. In the doing, I forgot to be. I tell God how much I love him. I talk all day, every day to Jesus, and I tell him how much I adore him, but I wasn't sitting long enough to wait and hear him tell me the wonderful things he feels about me in return. 
Crazy, I know, as a relationship should be a two-way thing. Now I try to be more silent in order to hear what he thinks and feels about me, and it is truly wonderful. I ask him questions, questions I never thought he would be interested in, but he is interested in me, and it seems silly now, but of course he is, as it's an intimate relationship. It's so simple, and yet so powerful. And so that's what I've done. I have sat, I've listened, I've waited, I've taken time to be. Um, and actually, the more time that I've spent with God, the more he actually just talks to me about things that are nothing to do with my life. So um, in John 15, 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And actually, that is what happens. Actually, the more time we, the deeper our connection and our relationship gets, I... God asks me to pray for people I've never even met before, tells me, hey, this person, I want you to pray for them about this, and, and shows me things about countries and all these things that I'm just like, I don't really know what to do with this, but I wait to be encouraged to pray or, or not. Sometimes he just likes to talk. And, um, yeah, he loves to talk, actually. Um, <laughs> and sometimes... On and on and on it goes. I write it down because I have no idea what this is or what I'm to do with it. Um, but he just likes to share his heart. And that is what friends do. Sometimes I spend time with my own friends and they just blather about all sorts of stuff. And you're thinking, wow, thank you so much for sharing. But I don't really know why you're telling me this. And it's the same thing. Actually, God loves to talk. Um, and so I just want you to take a moment and I'm just going to have you ask um, Jesus a question um, which is this um, the question is this Jesus is the depth of intimacy in our relationship where you would like it to be Jesus is the depth of intimacy in our relationship where you would like it to be and if the answer is yes then I want you to ask him what one of his favorite ways to spend time with you is? And if the answer is no, I want you to ask him, what would it look like? What, what would you like it to look like? And is there anything you would like me to do for it to change? And so whatever it is that he's just shown you, I want you to just be childlike and actually believe, accept, and trust. Like if he's told you, actually no, I would like our relationship to be closer and what I would like you to do is give me some time in the middle of your day or whatever it is. Actually, I would just encourage you to trust him and actually do what he has asked because actually friends um, do what God asks and then intimacy is developed. Um, and you're gonna, I'm going to give you some homework to take away where you do that same exercise, but you ask the Father and you also ask Holy Spirit. Um, so actually for me, there, there actually has not been a limit to the ways that Jesus has wooed me or pursued me. Um, I have danced with him. I've walked with him. I've had him sing to me. Um, he's given me jewelry. Um, this is all like... 
spiritual jewellery. I haven't had physical jewellery yet, but I expect at some point maybe it'll disappear. Um, he tells me repeatedly what he thinks and feels about me. Um, and actually, I heard this incredible quote this week. Um, I think it was Chris Vallotton had posted it on his Facebook page, and it says this, until you get close enough to see your reflection in his eyes, you won't know that you're the apple of his eye. And actually, that for me has been what I've done. I've regularly gotten close enough so that my heart has been constantly overwhelmed actually by the depth of his love for me. And and he's just won my affection. And actually, wooing me is not a one-off thing. It's been continuous. Like, he continuously pursues my heart and is always doing things that make me be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just did that. And Because he knows us so, so well. And so what I'm going to just do is pull out... I could give you all, I could talk for a whole day and all of the things that he's shown me and things I've learned because it's, it's, re- it's a regular download and conversation. Um, but I'm just going to pull out five things that I have discovered as I've spent time with Jesus and with Father and the Holy Spirit. So number one, I captivate and thrill his heart. Um, and the two verses for that are Songs of Solomon 4.9. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. And then Isaiah 62.5. As a man rejoices over his new wife, so your God will rejoice over you. I would imagine, I'm not married and I'm not a man, but I would imagine that a man rejoices a lot over his new wife. And actually that is just a small glimpse to the huge enormity of how much we thrill God's heart. And one time I asked Jesus, um, you know, Jesus, like, what, what, what do you want me to know about you? And, um, and he said this to me, Jan, I want you to know how much you have captivated my heart and how beautiful you are to me. Now, at that time, that was very difficult for me to hear because I was in my renewing my mind phase where I didn't really think very highly of myself. And so actually what I did was I turned that into a declaration where I actually declared out loud, I am beautiful and I have captivated Jesus' heart. And I needed to say it over and over and over and over until I actually believed it. Um, And so I just encourage you, if there are things that God is revealing to you or he says about you or that you've written down, and you're like, oh, I, don't, I can't handle that, then that is the thing you need to say aloud <laughs> until you believe it. Um, the second thing is this, that my love for him is a fraction of the immense love that he has for me. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then at one time I was just speaking, hanging out with the father and he said to me, Jan, I love everything that you are, all of your ways, all that you are and everything of me that you represent in this world. I am overjoyed by you and all that you are. Now, when you hear those things like spoken to you by the creator of the universe who is our dad, actually it does something really deep inside of you. I always talk about, you know, knowing something and then knowing it in your knower. It's actually that just deep down inside of you where you just know, like, I am loved by God. Like, I am actually loved by God. Not just I know it here, but I I know it down here in my, I call it my knower. Because it's just like, (laughs) there's something in there that just knows as well. Um, 
And number three, that I am in union with the Godhead. So John 14, 20, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So I'm in Jesus, Jesus is in the Father, which means I'm in the Father, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and I'm one spirit with him, which messes with your head. And one time, Father God spoke to me, and he said, Jan, you are so wrapped up in Jesus that you are like conjoined twins. And when I look at you, I can't tell where you end and where Jesus begins. That, uh, <laughs> that took a bit of uh, reflection and processing because it's enormous actually when we really grasp who we actually are that we are joined to Jesus that we are in the father that we have holy spirit the same power that raised Jesus out of a dead tomb when he'd been dead for three days that's a lot of power that's what lives in me that's incredible when we actually start to understand who we are it changes everything which is why we talk about identity so much um, in this church family, because we need to know who we are so that we can actually um, be who we are out in wherever God's placed us. And um, the fourth thing is this, God wants to spend time with me more than I do with him. Um, so I um, recently um, had a, an encounter um, really where I arrived in my garden and the Trinity were waiting on me and uh, they were all sitting with cups of fresh mint tea uh, which was I'd never had that happen to me before <laughs> it was a bit taken aback and the Holy Spirit was like I freshly picked the mint from your garden I was like Okay then. Um, but actually when I arrived, so they're drinking cups of tea and they were laughing and waiting on me. And um, then when I kind of came closer, they actually all started proposing toasts to me with their cups of tea. <laughs> and I just joined in. So this is a lot of fun. And so then I started to toast them too and we had a bit of a laugh. But actually they were waiting on me. And I don't know, like, you know, they're just, they want to spend time with us more than we do with them. And that is my example story of just that, that point. Um, and number five, Jesus knows exactly what I need. Um, I told Jesus one time, actually, Jesus, I need you to fill my intimacy love tank. I just was like, oh, I just need to feel like, I just need to know I'm loved. You know, like quality time and words of affirmation are my top two love languages. And um, there's just, I don't know what had been happening that week. I was obviously feeling a bit depleted because I hadn't had any affirmation or spent much time with people. And um, he took a hold of my hand and it was like into my very being poured like a river of words. And I managed to capture them. And this is what he, this is what poured into me from him. You are mine. You are beautiful. You are clothed in my righteousness. You are treasured. You are needed. You're amazing. You are my beloved. You are incredible. You are highly favored. You are anointed with the oil of gladness beyond your companions, which made me laugh. You are my delight. And actually, he just knows us so well. He knows what we need to hear. He knows what we need to experience or feel or, 
you know, I've I've been in places where like or like in my garden and there's all these like wild wild flowers planted and they are exactly the ones that I admired by the side of the road when I was in France and I'm like wow they're here yeah I knew that you really liked them so we planted them for you oh my goodness really that just there's so much detail about our lives that God is interested in that we if we just take time to listen actually we will be blown away by um how much he knows us. And so Jesus, he um, took time to withdraw um, with his disciples, but scripture also tells us that he went up a mountainside to pray, he went um, withdrew to the wilderness, or he went to an isolated place. And actually he knew um, that he needed time out, actually, with the Father and with Holy Spirit. And um, and I guess the question for you guys is, is actually, how do you, what does it look like for you? How do you go away? How do you get away and just have time out with God? What does that look like for you? And actually, it was the intimacy that Jesus had with his, with Heavenly Father and with Holy Spirit that became the foundation, really, for all of the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he performed because he did what he saw the Father doing. And so he moved in power, actually, from a place of intimacy. And then he withdrew when he needed to just go and be. He withdrew and he had time out. Um, and so for me, I guess, like, what, what does that look like for me? Well, I, my f- mobile phone is always on silent. I'm so sorry. I know that lots of people call me and I, I never answer. It's because my phone's on silent because I don't like to be interrupted. And I like, so it's because that's how it is. Then time out for me is, is, can be quiet or I have music on, but there's never an opportunity for a phone uh, to ring because it's on silent. Um, and I do different things. I do what I call floor time with Jesus where I literally like lie, I have this rug in the middle of my living room floor and I just lie on it and I just wait, listen, soak, rest. Uh, I worship, I get on my crazy praise, I dance like a lunatic around my house, I ask questions, I just sit and rest, I hang out with the Godhead in my car when I commute to work, I go for a run. I don't put music in my ears because I'm like, okay, if there's anything you want to say to me, I'm listening. And off I run. Um, I know that for some people, like you guys, like I know some people I'm friends with love to like go and climb mountains and just like be with God in nature. Um, but actually what I've learned is to include Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit in my life. And so um, when I am lifting weights in the gym, I am being like, I'm spending time with them because I can be like, you know, thankful, worshipful, open to chat to them or have them chat to me. Um, whether, you know, like I find ways at work, you know, me and, uh, <laughs> I work with Verna and, uh, you know, we, we pray together, but like, you know, we yawn stretch and praise Jesus in the middle of the office. And there's just ways that actually we can choose to connect with him in our day um, to actually, one of my favorite things is going around the supermarket. I love just like doing the aisles and like hanging out with Jesus, just like, hey, like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I just find it quite, because I'm kind of concentrating on that, then my head is just available to just be um, connecting uh, with him. And actually, because we can connect with him in our heart, any place, anytime. And so I just want to de like, I want to bust any weird myth where you think you have to be in a prayer room or in silence for a half hour. 
No, you can be five minutes in your car and you can have a great time with Jesus. You can be on the toilet, you could be in the supermarket, you could be in the swimming pool, you could be changing your child's nappy and you get revelation from on high. I mean, there is no limit to how he can interact with us. Um, and, <laughs> and actually, the thing is that our relationship with Jesus, with Father and Holy Spirit are the thing that everything else flows from. And so I have learned that I get more done by being than by doing. That actually, um, I, I once heard someone say that the best way to make a change in the world is to lie on the floor. And really just, I mean, that part of just being and resting and chilling out in him rather than being so busy. And actually there's always, there's an unending list of things that need to be done. Um, and there's always a to-do list and there's always like, you know, life can be busy, but actually it's my connection with, with the Godhead that I'm going to take with me into eternity. I'm not taking anything else other than my relationship. And actually, why would I not spend time making sure that that is the best that it can be while I'm on earth? Um, because actually we need to ferociously guard our heart, our emotions, our minds, and actually our, our time, whatever your time with the Trinity looks like, we need to ferociously guard it because everything else will try and push in on that so that we get busy doing and we get overwhelmed and we get burnt out and we get tired and we get angry and we get disappointed and we get pushed and on and on and on it goes. When actually we can be people who actually rest in peace and live in joy and in righteousness and that actually we are not swayed by our circumstances because we are so aware of what he thinks and what he's saying is that whatever is going on around us actually is not going to affect our internal world. And so I'd like to give you some homework this week, which is, I don't know if you do this, um, but I would like you to um, have a think about it. You're free not to, uh, but actually to withdraw and just take a moment to sit quietly just to be the object of God's love. Not to ask any questions or say anything, but just to be. And just be like, I'm just going to sit and be the object of your love. And just sit and sit here for however long you feel you would like to. But actually just practice resting in him. And he might chat to you. You might just feel great and rested. Your high head might just get calm or whatever it is. But actually just take a moment to just be the object of his affections. And then I'd like uh, to give you homework of just asking Father and Holy Spirit the same questions uh, that you asked Jesus about your relationship with him. And so as we close, I just want to say that actually intimacy is, is um, it was on God's heart, um, actually, and has been since he chose you before the foundation of the world. Actually, that Jesus came to earth to reveal the Father, and actually he's the firstborn among many brothers. And he, we get to have the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father. And actually it's amazing. That, but, but so often we just get caught up in other things and forget that actually we need to cultivate our relationship and our connection with the one who made it possible. And... Um, and I just really want to encourage you to be, come like a child, to believe and accept and trust God's word and what he says about you. And actually to accept the truth of what's available in intimacy and relationship and connection with him. 
and, and to enjoy it and to invest time in it. And um, you know that for many of you who've been here a long time, you should you probably know this one off by heart by now, but our mission statement is that we're a family transforming people, families, churches, cities and nations with experiences of God's goodness until earth looks like heaven. And actually, first and foremost, we need to experientially and relationally know how good he is before for ourselves first, before we try and, and give that away to anyone else. Um, and so, actually, we can just be transformed. As we behold him, we get transformed, actually, into who he's really called us to be. And I just would encourage you that it starts with you. Like, this is an amazing thing God's called us to as a, as a church family, but actually you and your relationship with him, first and foremost, is where it's at. Because you can only give out what you have received and what, what you're living in. Because otherwise we're just going to be, we don't want to be branches that wither and are separated. And uh, so what I'd like you to do is, if you just want to stand, we're just going to pray together. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you that since before the foundation of the world, your heart was for us to have an, an intimate relationship with you. And Jesus, I want to thank you that you, you made it possible. You came to earth and you made the way so that there is the all distance is cancelled. And actually we get to enjoy the same relationship with the Father that you have. And that is amazing. And I want to pray that for each and every one of us that we would not take that lightly, that we would actually... Um, take time to cultivate and invest um, in spending time with you, whatever that looks like for us, that actually we would be ones who have an amazing friendship with God, uh, like Abraham did, that actually we would be, um, we would know you, and we would be ones who don't just prophesy and heal the sick and cast out demons, but we would actually know you and that, that that would come out of a place of relationship and intimacy first and that doing would come after. So Holy Spirit, I want to pray, would you teach us all to be, first and foremost, that actually our relationship with you, we would take it seriously and that we would actually um, work, work on it so that it's two-way and not one-way. And I just want to thank you. What an amazing privilege to be able to connect with the Trinity. And I pray that you would help us to be childlike, to accept, to believe, to trust, to do what you ask, and actually to enjoy all that has been made available to us. Father, we say thank you. Amen.